Throughout history, there have been many songs written about the eternal triangle. This next one tells the story of a Mr. Grayson, a beautiful woman, and a condemned man named Tom Dooley. When the sun rises tomorrow, Tom Dooley must hang. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. And if you were waiting for this episode to drop or just stumbled upon it randomly, uh, you're in luck. Because this is another one of our special patron-curated bonus episodes where I invite patrons of my show to send in their submissions of songs that fit a theme. They're always really great shows. My patrons come up with awesome picks. And the theme of this particular episode is that song about a real person got me high. All right, I open the episode with the song Tom Dooley, which is one of the most famous murder ballads of all time. It's based on the 1866 murder of Laura Foster in Wilkes County, North Carolina. The man convicted of and hanged for the crime was her fiancé, Tom Dula, whose name was pronounced locally as Dooley, hence the title of the song. Ann Melton, a former lover of Tom, was also accused in the murder but was acquitted. To this day, many believe she was the guilty party. Ooh. A poem was written uh, not long after the murder, and it was set to music and passed down through generations. And eventually the song was recorded by the Kingston Trio in 1958, uh, which is the version that I played. All right. As I said, as usual, my patrons knocked it out of the park with their song picks. Uh, It's a fantastic, eclectic collections of songs uh, that I can't wait for you all to hear them. Uh, so uh, real quick before I do, if you're wondering how you can get in on the fun and start participating in these super fun episodes, head over to patreon.com forward slash TRJMH and for as little as $2 a month, you can become a patron and support the show. All right. As always, I arrange the picks in the order I receive them just because, you know, why do I have to give myself extra work? And uh, we start things off with frequent guest and friend of the show, music journalist slash tech executive, Corey Dubrowa. Hey, Rob and fellow patrons, Corey Dubrowa from Bend, Oregon here. The record about a real person that got me high is Man on the Moon by R.E.M. from their 1992 album Automatic for the People. It's a tribute, of course, to the late, great stand-up comic, performance artist, and self-described song and dance man Andy Kaufman. Uh, I won't go into a ton of detail. I mean, Michael Stipe, the singer, basically calls out Andy by name. But it's worth remembering a few things about the song. Um, One is that drummer Bill Berry actually wrote the song as major C to D chord change. Guitarist Peter Buck wrote the bridges and cleaned it up and presented it to Stipe as a finished instrumental. Stipe then took that and struggled to write the lyric. In fact, he wanted it to be an instrumental until the last week of the band's recording effort in Seattle for the album. He walked around the city with a Walkman on looking for inspiration. Uh, All the songs, yeah, yeah, yeahs, are actually a tribute to Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain. The bands were friendly, and Lithium has 42 yes to this song's 56. <laughs> Finally, Moses performing miracles with a staff, Newton's theory of gravity, Cleopatra's suicide by asp, supposedly, and Darwin's theory of evolution were all fables or just not generally accepted as truth. Uh, Andy Kaufman loved absurdity and traded his entire career in hoaxes and conspiracy theories, uh, like whether or not his own death was faked. So this is Stipe's really subtle way of tying it all together. If you believe there's nothing up his sleeve, then nothing is cool. There's value in illusion and in believing, and that seems to be what R.E.M. is trying to put across with this amazing song. Play Twister, 
Now Andy, did you hear about this one? Tell me, are you locked in the pond? Andy, are you goofing on Elvis, baby? Are we losing time? Thank you, Corey. That was actually on the short list of possible picks for me, too. But uh, I would never have thought of counting the Yaz uh, in the song, so I'm really glad that you chose it. All right, now here's our friend, Hialeah Florida's own Izo Besares with his pick. And a little private note to me, which I'm not going to lie, kind of brought a tear to my eye. Hi, Rob. Izo Besares here. First of all, we miss you very much. So that song about a real person that got me high... I immediately thought of Winona by Matthew Sweet from the album Girlfriend, which you did a show about. I remember hearing that he wrote this song about Winona Ryder, so I looked it up a long time ago, and I heard that he was a big fan of the movie Heathers. And uh, this song had a little country twang to it, so uh, he wanted a name, and it just felt right. Later on, uh, when further pressed, he admitted that he was kind of obsessed with Winona Ryder at the time. Anyway, um, I was so into this album in the 90s, and this song was my favorite song on that album. And for our first Humbert album, I wrote a song called Salma, and I have to say that it was inspired completely by Winona by Matthew Sweet. Well, maybe not completely by that song, because I actually wrote it the day after I saw From Dusk Till Dawn, but close enough. It was a mixture of that beautiful song and that beautiful scene. So there it is, Matthew Sweet's Winona. Enjoy the rest of the show. Tried to call you, but the line was busy. Were you talking to a friend? When I tried again much later, Thank you, Brother Izzo. I miss you and I miss all my South Florida friends. All right, now here's Canadian filmmaker and amateur curmudgeon Alan Zweig with a song most of us probably know, but a version I was totally unfamiliar with. Hi, Rob. Hi, that record got me high. This is Alan from Toronto. So uh, this idea, songs about real people, it, 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 there's so many coincidences that immediately came into my head that I just got to get it out, even if, God forbid, I'm the first one up. If it has been like a month ago, I would have gone with uh, Johnny Mathis' Feet by American Music Club, but I did that on my last Patreon episode. Or I might have gone with Bruce Berry was a working man, but I did that on my last record episode. I just got this record, though. I just bought a record by a guy named Joe Beck, an American jazz guitar player, not Jeff Beck. And on his first record in 1969, it's a kind of psychedelic pastiche and he does, the title song is the song I'm going to choose. He does Nature Boy. Now, Nature Boy, a song I love, I always thought it was written about the person who wrote the song, Eden Abez, because he was kind of a proto-hippie himself. But apparently he wrote it about another proto-hippie named Bill Pester, a German fellow known as the Hermit of Palm Springs, who came up with the philosophy Lebensform as distinct from another German philosophy. You might have heard of Laban's Realm, 
not a favored among my people. So I could have chosen one of 4,000 versions, including the original version by Natkin Cole, or I could have chosen the Joe Beck version because of a further coincidence, which is that one of the sidemen on this record is none other than Danny Witten, somebody we talked about recently. But I'm going to go with the original Eden Abed's version of Nature Boy because it's beautiful and perfect and because it requires no editing, Rob. I'm not trying to twist your arm. Just listen to it. Eden Abed's Nature Boy. There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far Over land and sea A little shy and sad of I But very wise was he And then one day one magic day he passed my way And though we spoke of many things Fools and kings This he said to me The greatest thing you ever learn Is just to love and be loved in return. All right. Thanks, Alan. And now we're going to go across the pond for a couple of picks. The first one from patron Richard Farnell. Hi, Rob. It's Richard Farnell in Manchester in the UK. My choice for the song about a real person is Terry Waite Says by The Fall from their 1986 album Ben Sinister. Terry Waite was the assistant to the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 80s, and he negotiated the release of hostages in Iran, Libya, and the Lebanon. But ironically, he was himself taken hostage in 1987. Spookily, this was a few months after the fall had released the song. So Marky Smith and Bricks were kind of believing this was another example of Marky Smith's legendary precognitive abilities. I don't know about that, but this guy was on the news all the time in the 80s in the UK. Terry Waite, that is, not Marky Smith. And it was the first thing I thought of when he said, name a song about a real person. Later on, Marky Smith claimed that the song was actually a different Terry Waite, a guy he'd heard talking in a pub and decided to write down everything that the guy said. However, I'm not convinced by that. I'm pretty sure Bricks came up with the riff and the idea of the song. And as I said, Terry Waite was in the news so often, I can't believe that he was actually thinking of some random guy in a pub. Either way, random guy or Archbishop of Canterbury's special envoy, it is, nevertheless, a song about a real person. So here we go. The Fall and Terry Waite Says. <laughs>
Thank you, Richard. That was great. And now let's stay in the UK for our friend, patron, Paul Marfleet. Hi, Rob and fellow TIGMH listeners. Paul Marfleet in the UK here with my pick of a song about a real person that got me high. For this latest patron episode, I've chosen The Missing Boy from a second duetty column out of Mel C. Vinnie Riley's tribute to his friend and former Factory Records label mate Ian Curtis. Ian's death must have hit Riley hard, because his 1981 track was the third duetty column song dedicated to him, after Lips That Would Kiss and Sleep Will Come from a previous year. The Missing Boy is a beautiful composition, with Vinnie Riley assuming vocal duties for the first time. While not a natural singer, his slight voice complements the delicate, fragile nature of the music. The opening lines of the song, There was a boy, I almost knew him, are particularly poignant when he considered that Riley's own struggles with mental illness meant that Ian Curtis saw him as a confidant, yet despite this he couldn't prevent him from taking his own life. And there's a richness in the music which represents a big leap forward from the previous duetty column album, with Riley playing the piano as well as his trademark echo-laden guitar, complemented by Bruce Mitchell's jazzy drumming. Certainly a fitting tribute. Paul, excellent pick as usual. Okay, now stay with me here because uh, this is kind of meta. We have newer patron Poison Applethorpe uh, with a song of which a different version was featured on a past patron episode that one, I'm embarrassed to say I never realized was about a real person, and two, was submitted for that episode by our patron Bobby Joe, and three, now stay with me here, Poison also casually mentions in his submission a song he almost chose that, as you will see, is the same song Bobby Joe picked for this episode. So, uh, yeah, amazing, right? And as Poison says, uh, the song gets me every single time I hear it. Hi, guys. Real, real quick, because I have to catch my bus. Um, first, honorable mentions Cloud Busting by Kate Bush, which is about Willem Reich, and Rasputin by Boney M, which is about Rasputin, obviously. My actual pick is Roberta Flack's version of Killing Me Softly, originally performed by Laura Lieberman, who, by the way, has a great cover of it as recent as 2021 that you should check out. Um, it is about her experience going to a Dom McLean concert and feeling so exposed by someone she has never met before and basically how music can have an effect on a person. This song has an interesting backstory to it as well um, about its legacy. Basically, it was written by Norman Gibble and Charles Fox, who helped complete the song based on notes that Lieberman wrote on a napkin. But as the song got popular with Roberta Flack and eventually the, Fuji, the Fugees, they tried to take her credit away from it completely. And it's only been recently, really, that she's been able to reclaim her stake on the song as one of its songwriters, kind of. It's a beautiful song that's neither melancholy nor romantic. It lives somewhere in the middle. 
and I just love listening to it so much. Drumming my bang with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly. you poison all right and now here's patron rory cox with a song that he says kind of opened his eyes to something he was blissfully unaware of as a young man and i'm guessing we're around the same age because i too remember hearing the song on a live broadcast of an amnesty international concert in 1986 and it sort of woke me up as well see so it's not you you, you could be woken up about things sometimes it's not such a terrible thing I will let Rory tell you more about it, uh, but I'm going to play uh, a little of that live version that I'm talking about at the end of the song uh, clip because I remember it so vividly, and I'm guessing some of you of a certain age remember it too. Hello, Rob, and uh, that record got me high listeners. This is Rory calling from Ljubljana, Slovenia, with my song about somebody. Um, I'm choosing Biko by Peter Gabriel from his third album. It's a song about an anti-apartheid activist in South Africa who died under the hands of the South African authorities, tortured most likely. And uh, I uh, first heard that song. I did not know anything when I was 20 years old or 19 or how old I was. I did not know anything about apartheid or about Stephen Biko or about South Africa. So it was an eye-opener in many ways. I'd also never heard um, such a use of African rhythms in a pop song before. So that was also a revelation for me. Uh, Actually inspired me to write a term paper um, for my Psychology of Prejudice class all about Stephen Biko and apartheid. It was really um, kind of an eye-opening, formative song that came about at a time when I was trying to figure the world out and um, it's also a very beautiful song, a very powerful song, and something that I believe Peter Gabriel still does in his live shows to this date. So uh, thank you very much for, um, for this, and uh, talk to you later.
Thanks, Rory, and thanks, Peter Gabriel, for that great memory. All right, so here we have patron Matt Marzullo with a band I don't I don't really know that much about, but I do know every time I hear a song by them, I think, man, these guys rock. And as you will see, the song is no exception. Hey, Rob, it's Matt. The song about a real person that got me high is Over My Head by King's X. It's not about anyone famous. Bassist and singer Doug Pinnock wrote it about his grandmother a devout Christian woman who would pray and sing spirituals all the time. She apparently would say things like, I hear music over my head, which is reflected in the song's lyrics. I love this song. It flat out rocks. Check it out. Now, once again, we have two patrons from across the pond, back to back. You know, this keep this has been happening for a while, and I keep thinking, uh, I, I kept thinking, wow, that's a weird coincidence, until I realized it's probably just because they're in a completely different time zone, and so of course I get their submissions uh, around the same time in the middle of the night. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm not that swift sometimes. Uh, first up is new patron David Brogan with a great pick. Hey Rob, long time listener, first time caller, Brogues from Glasgow, Scotland here. That record about a real person that got me high for me would have to be Unfair Kind of Fame by Glasgow Legends, The Pastels. It was written by Katrina from the band and she sings it beautifully. It's about Edward. She went to see Tim Burton's biopic and wrote the song after that and it's a really sweet song with a kind of loping groove and a really unexpected guitar solo. So yeah, that record got me high.
Thank you, David. And now here's Nick Riley with another song that was on my shortlist by one of my favorite bands. Hi, Rob. Nick here calling from Stockport in the northwest of England again. My choice for this episode is Dagenham Dave by The Stranglers from their 1977 album, No More Heroes. The song, you, the song is a tribute to Dave, who was an early fan of the band and got to know them very well. Unfortunately, Dave was a troubled soul and his life went downhill rapidly in the late 70s. Tragically, his only answer to this was to jump from Tower Bridge into the freezing cold Thames River. Although it's a sad story, it's a great track and typifies that unique Stranglers sound at the time. I'm sure Dave would have approved. After all, he was just one of us, a music fan. Enjoy the track. guys and cheers and all that stuff uh all right now we have marcia potts with a really great song uh i had never heard and marcia gets extra points for throwing some much deserved shade onto noel gallagher take it away marcia hey robin listeners it's marcia in central florida and that song about a real person that gets me high is talk tonight by oasis the song actually involves two people one being noel gallagher and the other being an unnamed young woman the liner notes of the Oasis comp The Master Plan read, Noel was back after a brief flounce from the band on a U.S. tour. Noel says me and Liam had a disagreement probably about what shoes he was wearing, so I'd fucked off to Las Vegas. It was an Oasis fan in San Francisco who had talked him down off the ledge. This fan, this young woman, whose name Noel Gallagher now can't even remember, probably due to an abundant amount of drugs and an abundant amount of narcissism, provided him a safe space to run away to, took him around San Francisco, and convinced him to return to the band. Basically, she exists in the song only to meet his emotional needs, but the song does leave you with a very strong impression that of the two, she's definitely the more interesting personality. Sitting on my own, chewing on a bone, a thousand million miles from home, when something hit me somewhere right between the eyes.
Thank you, Marsha. That was great. And now, guess what? It's our old friend, Jeff Greenstein. He's back. He'd been MIA for the past few episodes. I think he's been gallivanting around the world and whatnot, but uh, he makes a triumphant return with a great song that's kind of personal to him. This is Jeff Greenstein. The song about a real person that got me high is Friends of P by the Weezer spinoff band, The Rentals. The real person that it's about uh, is my girlfriend, Paulina, um, who said it would be okay to do this. Okay, here it is, gang. Friends of P by The Rentals. I'm a good guy for a gal. So won't you look my palm over? I got time for a chat. So won't you tell me my future? I'm gonna break down at 50. And I'm not quite a stallion. I'm a good guy for a gal. And I'm mentally slipping. Oh yeah, oh yeah, what's that you see? Jeff, and welcome back. All right, now here's Mick Hans, who I guess Mick has become our official reggae uh, proponent uh, with a really great, which is awesome. That's great. Bring on the reggae. Uh, this is a really great pick from Mick. Hi, Rob. It's Mick in Chicago. And I got to say, any podcast called That Record Got Me High deserves a righteous serving of Roots Reggae every now and then. And that's what we're going to do right here. I'm going with Marcus Garvey, the title track from the 1975 release from Burning Spear. Who is Marcus Garvey? He was a controversial political activist and back to Africa movement leader in both Jamaica and the US who died in 1940. And along with Ethiopian Emperor Haile Selassie, Garvey was one of the key inspirations as Rastafari took shape in the post-World War II period. And that eventually led to the roots reggae of the 70s that we all know and love. And there we go, reggae history in 20 seconds and the title track from Marcus Garvey. Marcus can words come to pass Marcus can words come to pass You can't get no food to eat You can't get no money to spend oh. You can't get no food to eat And you, hello, come to one call. Oh, let me do what I can for you and you alone. Oh, you know the right hand to ignite shall be. All right, that was great, Mick. Our next submission comes from patron Eric Auerbach, uh, who makes a pretty bold claim about a certain double album that uh, it's kind of hard to argue with. Hey, Rob. Eric Auerbach from San Francisco here, thinking a lot about a song about a real person that got me high. And the one I keep coming back to is uh, The Minutemen History Lesson Part 2. 
from the uh, the genius Double Nickels on the Dime, um, probably one of the greatest albums written in the 1980s. And a uh, song by Mike Watt and Dee Boone, um, but really it's uh, it's such a great song. It's about uh, about them growing up, discovering punk rock, how it changed their lives, and how they became who they are. And it just uh, it resonates. It, it totally felt like... Um, like they were talking to me at the time. And they uh, not only reference themselves in the song, but they also talk about a lot of other folks, including uh, E. Bloom, Richard Hell, Joe Strummer, John Doe. Um, but in the end, it's all about, uh, as D. Bloom says, all about me and Mike Watt playing guitar. So that's my song. It got me high then, it gets me high now. Thanks. Our band will be your life. Punk rock in Hollywood. Drove up in Pedro. We were fucking corn dogs. We'd go drink at Pogo. Eric. Uh, love it. Love it. All right. So our next patron, Tom Lowry, uh, he ended up with duplicate picks on the last few episodes. So he gave it a little more thought this time and he came up with a good one. And, you know, not that it matters uh, that much, but no duplicates in this episode at all. So take it away, Tom. Robin, that record got me high listeners. This is Tom from St. Pete. So the last two picks I've chosen for these patron episodes, or at least two of them have been duplicates. One, the Plimsolls, one built to spill. Shows you got some good taste, obviously, in this group. However, uh, I'm going to zig where I normally would zag. My first choice was Songs for Drella, something off of that with from Lou Reed and John Cale. However, uh, I'm going to pick 10,000 Maniacs song, Hey Jack Kerouac, from their 1987 album, uh, In My Tribe. So uh, it's kind of obvious who this is about. It also mentions Allen Ginsberg and William S. Burroughs, kind of the, the top three beat generation folks and you know Kerouac was a tragic figure he was born in Lowell Massachusetts uh, tried to fit in with the beat generation but also had a blue-collar French-Canadian background and died in uh, St. Pete uh, believe it or not uh, was a regular as a uh, bar fly just down the street from uh, from where I live now and, uh, you know, he was the best of the beats in many people's opinions, including mine. Uh, loved uh, On the Road and still have to read the unedited version or the uncensored version of that. But uh, anyway, here it is. Uh, uh, homage to the beat generation, Jack Kerouac. <laughs>
you, Tom. All right, our next patron, Jay Reeve. Jay clearly agonized over this pick, uh, as you could hear. I mean, he really did. I mean, he sounds like uh, Woody Allen, like trying to order sushi at a fancy restaurant or something. It's it's kind of funny, but he did finally come up with a great pick, uh, a song that I, that I knew, but I really knew nothing of the backstory. I just never thought of it before, but it's pretty awesome. So take it away, Jay. Hey, Rob. Uh, my pick for a song that got me high that was uh, about somebody... Uh, is one that it took me a long time and to, to, to think of this, I mean, I almost gave up several times and I was like, no, there's got to be something. There's got to be something. There's got to be a song that I'm missing. And it is. The song that I'm missing is uh, John, I'm Only Dancing, uh, David Bowie, uh, which I thought was probably doing this without any research at all, just off the top of my head. Because as I was taking a leak, I realized that's the song I should be talking about. John, I'm Only Dancing from David Bowie. I believe it was an early single at most. I don't know if it actually appeared on an actual album. I could be wrong. Um, But I always thought that was cool because it was very early in uh, David Bowie's career that if that was the case, that song came out. So he's like trying to make moves on Yoko at... uh, you know, early 70s, probably even before Ziggy Stardust came out. And John Lennon being the very, very jealous guy that he is, I guess, uh, did not like David Bowie making what he thought was moves at Yoko. But really what David was saying is, John, I'm just dancing with your old lady. Chill out, man. You were in the Beatles. Don't take yourself so seriously. Anyway, that's my choice. Um, I don't know if any of that makes any sense. I don't have a lot of time to think about it or re-record this. So you're just basically getting this on the fly. And I'm watching the minutes and seconds to fly. And I'm going to say goodbye. Great song, Jay. Thanks. All right, and now here's our old pal Todd Nolan uh, getting his submission in under the wire. Uh, Todd's kind of a procrastinator, uh, and we know Todd likes to talk, so let's just hand it right over to Todd. Hey there, name droppers and gossip mongers. It's Todd Nolan from Nashville, Tennessee, dishing the dirt on my pick for the song about a real person that got me high. So recently, I was in New York City with the family, and we took in a visit to the Museum of Modern Art, and while we were strolling through its many mind-boggling galleries, we came across several Picasso pieces, and I don't know if you're like me or not, but the mere mention of his name, much less the viewing of an original piece of Picasso's art, instantly triggers me into singing Pablo Picasso by the Modern Lovers. And this balmy rainy afternoon in August was by no means an exception to that knee-jerk response of uttering the nasally recited lyric, Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. Not like you. The song was written by lead modern lover Jonathan Richmond and recorded and produced by Velvet Underground's John Cale all the way back in 1972. However, it wasn't released until 1976 on the Modern Lover's debut self-titled LP. With future Cars member David Robinson on drums, Jerry Harrison of pre-Talking Heads fame on bass, Ernie Brooks on guitar, 
Kale himself banging out some piano, and Richmond on vocals and lead guitar. The Velvet Underground's influence shines heavily throughout the recording, and even harkens back to the fact that the Velvets themselves had their own tribute song to another legendary painter, Andy Warhol, with the 1969 song Andy's Chest. Lou Reed later reworked and re-recorded the song in 1972 for his second solo album, Transformer, in what I consider the far superior version. While Andy's Chest dealt with the assassination attempt on Warhol, Pablo Picasso takes a humorous look at the notorious Spanish-born womanizer, suggesting that the women could not resist his sexual advances, despite his 5'3 stature. Richmond himself stated that the song stemmed from his own personal insecurities around women, and Picasso, despite the lover's romantic depiction of him, was probably called an asshole more so than not. He is said to have had hundreds of lovers throughout his life, eight of which were considered his true muses. And despite the fact that Richmond paints a vivid picture of the pimpin' Picasso driving around New York City in an El Dorado with girls wooing at the sight of him, the man was never known to even drive a car. His ass was either being chauffeured around by his driver or one of his many girlfriends. And due to his loyal membership to the French Communist Party, Picasso was not even allowed to visit America. But truthfully, he could fucking care less. Picasso was a known misogynist and believed that all women were machines for suffering, and there were only two types of women out there, goddesses and doormats. He would squeeze their essence onto the canvas, bleed them dry, and then just kick them to the curb. His abusive behavior led to the eventual suicides, alcoholism, depression, and nervous breakdowns of many, many people in his life. So sorry, Jonathan, but more likely than not, he was probably quite often called an asshole. But despite it all, the genius of his artwork will live on forever. And as I stand in a very crowded MoMA gallery, taking in some of his masterpieces of cubism, I just can't help but break in a song with Pablo Picasso by the Modern Lovers. Enjoy it, assholes. Well, some people try to pick up girls and get called assholes. This never happened to Pablo Picasso. And so Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole Todd. Okay, it's Bobby Joe's pick. I told you about it already. It was mentioned earlier, and it's such a cool song. And you should definitely take Bobby's advice and check the video out as well, because I checked it out, and it is indeed something. It's pretty awesome. Take it away, Bobby Joe. Hey, everybody. Hey, Rob. It's Bobby Joe. Um, I think I got the idea of this assignment um, about a person or a song about a person. I don't know. This My entry here is about a song and a person about a song, and a song about a person. So, um, this song, um, that I'm sharing is about, is, uh, really good, but mostly it reminds me of, um, a friend that is no longer here. And anyway, we, we lost contact after high school. She was really awesome. And, um, but, uh, when we reconnected, I was sharing her with her about my new love of disco. And this is about like 2007. And, um, Celia was always super, super cool. She was uh, European to be exact. She was Hungarian. And she shared with me, like, on Facebook, uh, Boney M. Rasputin. And I was really taken back. It was like, the coolest group of, like, weirdos that I've ever seen. You gotta catch the video. The song is great, but the video is really, really funny. Um, just a wild bunch of just, like, space disco um folks anyway 
I know you like lyrics, so this one is jam-packed. It's actually kind of like a history lesson about Rasputin. And uh, the frontman, Bobby Farrell, um, I don't even think, I think actually it was a Milli Vanilli sort of a thing, like he didn't actually sing, but he, anyway, he was a really great frontman. Check it out, and uh, this one's for Celia. Seneca Mejanan. Thank you, Bobby Joe. So great. So great. Okay. So I got a bunch of submissions this time that came in right under the wire. So apparently my listeners are a bunch of procrastinators, much like myself. Uh, here's a great one from our friend Dan Bonebreak, who who is so excited that he managed to get a submission in on time uh, that he can't stop singing the song. <laughs> and it's pretty awesome. So take it away, Dan. Hi, TRGMHers. It's Dan Bonebreak of the Lightworkers and the Enablers. A song about a real person that got me high is Alex Chilton by The Replacements. I'm in love, what's that song? This song started off as a song about that roadie George, but morphed into being about Chilton when Paul noticed some similarities between the two, while Chilton, who had worked on some demos for Tim, was in and out of Arden Studios during their recording of Please to Meet Me. Children by the million sing for Alex Chilton when he comes around. They hid the song from the big star singer-guitarist while they were making the record, but eventually he heard the song while touring with the band and responded to the homage, I feel like a great legendary outlaw, like John Wesley Harden or something. Cerebral rape and pillage in the village of his choice. It's one of my favorite lyrics that projects Chilton, who, like Westerberg, could fuck with an audience's head while on tour. It's a driving rock song right up my alley with an earworm riff and power pop sensibilities. I never travel far without a little big star. Well, I never travel far without a little mat. Cheers. Dan, I am in love with that song as well. All right, speaking of late, Karen 
Feldner submission, her, her submission technically came in after the cutoff, but you know, whatever. We'll allow it because it's a great pick and deadlines are for, you know, who cares about deadlines anyway? Uh, it's really great. So take it away, Karen. Hey, Rob, I hope it's not too late. I wanted to submit an old tune, blues tune called Stackley that I first heard on the American Anthology from Frank Hutchinson. All in Abbey, one dark and riddle but I love this version by a Mississippi John Hurt. Um, it's basically a murder ballad about a Stenson hat, but of course there's more to the story. I've, I mean, there's a lot you can delve into, but supposedly um, Stackley was a rich pimp and um, he was released from jail after shooting Billy Lyons. He was released by um, white Democrats because because Stackley was very influential and they were trying to regain power. But he shot Billy Lyons supposedly because Lyons's brother-in-law was one of the richest black men in St. Louis, and he belonged to an elite group of black Republicans. You know, things haven't changed that much, I guess. Anyway, it's a lot of fun, and I hope you like it. Police officer, how can it be? You can rest everybody but cruel Stagley, that bad man. Oh, cruel Stagley. This line told Stagley, please don't take my life. I got two little babies and a darling loving wife. That bad man, oh cruel Stanley. What I care about, you two little babes, darling, loving wife. You done stole my stuff and hat, I'm bound to take your life. That bad man, oh cruel Stanley. Karen, and thank you to all my patrons, those who submitted this time, and those who just continue to listen and support the show. You all, seriously, no no BS, you all seriously mean the world to me. Don't forget, if you'd like to join the ranks of my awesome patrons, head over to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron today. I would really appreciate it. All right, I waffled around a little for my pick. Uh, I did what I tell other people not to do. I kind of overthink a little, but I settled on a song by one of my all-time favorite bands, The Damned. From what uh, I consider this to be a, a comeback record for them, uh, The Great Grave Disorder, which came out in 2001. And it's got this vicious little Captain Sensible pen ditty that takes some jabs at, I'm just going to say it, takes some jabs at John Lennon. It, uh, it, you know, it basically points out what a flawed person he was, and it kind of pisses on the whole notion of making saints out of our musical heroes when they die. I mean, he's not wrong, but it is, it's a little harsh, it is, uh, which I guess is a punk rock. Um, but it's also just a great song, and it's got this really sweet musical outro, which teases you'll hear there's a little Imagine in there. And, and apparently there's a little Carlos Santana going on there, too, with Captain's uh, solo in the outro, but it's really awesome. Anyway, that's my pick. Enjoy. Until next time, thanks for listening. Suddenly.